April 16th. We now turn our attention to the New Testament. Today's reading takes place in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. And here's what we'll read about. We'll read about confident prayer. If an unjust judge helps a poor widow, how much more will a loving father meet the needs of his children? You can pray confidently, for God hears your prayers. We have open access into His treasury, into the very throne room of God, and can claim His gracious promises. So we ought to pray with faith and confidence. No need to argue, just come. The Word says, come, come boldly into my throne room. And we'll also read about arrogant prayer. Watch out for this. True prayer should humble us and make us love others more. We should be like children coming to a father and not like attorneys bringing an indictment or arguing our case. If prayer doesn't bless the one praying, well, it isn't likely to help anybody else. And with that, let's begin today's reading from the New Testament. April 16th, the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who was a godless man and with great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman is driving me crazy. I am going to see that she gets justice, because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this evil judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who plead with him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, He will grant justice to them quickly. But when I, the Son of Man, return, how many will I find who have faith? Then Jesus told this story to some who had great self-confidence and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a dishonest tax collector. The proud Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, especially like that tax collector over there. For I never cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner." I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be honored. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. 
So here's the deal. God made man in his image. And God is love. I'm convinced of this. So this changed my life 23 years ago. Transformed me. And, 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 and caused me to live rock solid without trying. Like, I don't wake up and try to ever be okay, honestly. I've never tried to live the Christian life. That sounds robotic. I've enjoyed being in him. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm righteous. I'm forgiven. Like, Holy Spirit loves me and wants to live in me. Like, like I'm his choice. And I was yet a sinner, and he sent his son and said, I know a higher truth about you. Come on, it's, it's, this isn't a proud and weird thing. It's something that transforms me. It's not a grace that just makes everything okay. It's a grace that changes me. A lot of people are scared in this day to preach true grace because there's grace movement, greasy grace, all this stuff. Listen, if somebody's preaching grace and it's not producing transformation, it's perversion. Grace and mercy are two different things. Mercy gives you a chance when you have none. Grace empowers you now that you've been given one. Yeah? It changes your life. This is very important. He's the God of all grace. And if we can't preach grace, we can't even preach the gospel. You're saved by grace through faith. But we're not talking about a grace that says, oh, well, he just loves me for whatever. No, no, no. He loves you for what he created you to be, what he called you to, and what your life looks like when he's in you and you're surrendered. Today we're reading in Psalm 85, where we'll read about restoration. We do not know from what crisis the Lord had delivered his people. Perhaps it was the captivity in Babylon. His wrath had ended, their sins were forgiven, and they had come home again. In times of divine chastening, rest on Psalm 30, verse 5. We'll also read about revival, when the refugees got back to the land. Life was difficult, and they were ready to give up. God had forgiven their sins, but that did not make life a paradise. They wanted new life from God so they could rejoice in Him. New beginnings should lead to experiences of new life. It was Oswald Chambers who said, It's no use to pray for the old days. Stand square where you are and make the present better than any past has been. Base all on your relationship to God and go forward. And presently, you'll find that what is emerging is infinitely better than the past ever was. Well, good words from Oswald Chambers. And as we read in Psalm 85, we'll read about responsibility. God forgives us that we might fear and serve Him. You must hear and obey His word and trust Him to send the needed increase. Mercy and truth met in his passion when Jesus died for the sin of the world. Righteousness and peace meet in his person, King of righteousness and King of peace. Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13, of the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. Lord, you have poured out amazing blessings on your land, you have restored the fortunes of Israel. You have forgiven the guilt of your people. Yes, you have covered all their sins. You have withdrawn your fury. You have ended your blazing anger. Now turn to us again, O God of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to distant generations? 
Won't you revive us again, so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for He speaks peace to His people, His faithful ones. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely His salvation is near to those who honor Him. Our land will be filled with His glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth, and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down His blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful crops. Righteousness goes as a herald before Him, preparing the way for His steps. Proverbs chapter 13, verses 7 and 8 Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. The rich can pay a ransom, but the poor won't even get threatened. <laughs>